Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to the Paper Cut Podcast. Welcome to the Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we are here with Natalie and Caroline Bourne, sisters. So what we usually do at the beginning of the podcast is get you to describe yourself. We're going to swap. So you have to tell us what your sister does. So we'll start with Natalie wow. talking about Caroline. Tell us about your sister. <laughs> okay, that's great. This is my sister, Caroline. Caroline Bourne. She's a dancer in the Winnipeg uh, modern dance community and works for the RWB as well. And um, uh, But I don't dance for the RWB. No, no. That's an important... Important distinction. Just a, a pillar of the Winnipeg dance community. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, what else can I say about you? Works at Little Sister, which I think is a very important, uh, community place in the city. Anyway. <laughs> That's Switch. all there is to say. <laughs> now, Caroline, oh. about Natalie, if you don't mind. Natalie is my younger sister. We are 21 months apart. She has longer hair than I do now, but there was a time when... Her hair was much shorter than mine, and then I chopped my hair off to be shorter than hers, and now her hair's longer than mine, and mine's shorter than hers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's similar shades of brown, but mine's darker brown. And Natalie uh, is a really good singer and bass player. She used to play the French horn in band in school, and then she... <laughs> Uh, wanted to play a more cool instrument that wasn't as heavy. But then she was like, actually, I do like heavy instruments. So she got like a double bass. Wow. Um, took bowing lessons. Just got right up in the bass. Bassness. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's really good at singing. I said that already. So that's all the stuff you need to like be <laughs> She's in some bands. a famous some musician. Bands. So she started playing with a band called Ingrid Gatton and then Fish and Bird and then a million more bands. And now she plays with lots of outfits, but mo- namely her own Slow Spirit. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other ones too, though, like Lanakai. Wow. And... <laughs> Other ones, lots of other ones. Lots of other ones. <laughs> so many other bands. I would like to redo my intro of Caroline because she went way more in depth than than I did. Well, we have a whole podcast <laughs> yeah. to talk about all of these things. The intros were just supposed to be, you know, fine intro. Fail. <laughs> no, you won. No, you guys did a great job. We went into the hair stuff a lot sooner than I had anticipated. But well, that's I the w- most important stuff, you know. Yeah. You gotta lay that on the table. Yeah. Does but, that yeah. make a confuse? Like, do people confuse you now? It really you've... makes or breaks an appearance. <laughs> yeah. In fact, on the way here, you did mention peering out your window, watching us walk up to your building, and yourself being confused by our different hair hair lengths wow there calling was a me time, out i will say i will say there was a time <laughs> <laughs> on my own podcast <laughs> there was a time caroline and i had the exact same hairstyle and it was very short and like silvery white oh yeah blonde. just yeah. for like maybe six months like like two orbits aligning yeah and then we went and like had a family 
reunion and all of our relatives who don't live in the city and they're not like they're like so confused yeah. why we cut our hair off <laughs> and bleached and it turned it silver like so weird to yeah. them these like farmers Rural family yeah. members yeah anyway that's hair yeah. so if there's a good haircut that comes along is it kind of like a rock paper scissors who decides who gets which no, one no actually I was gonna thank you for having us on this podcast because like, it's such a nice opportunity for us to like hang out for once <laughs> like, like I'm just so awesome. excited to hear about her right now her life on the podcast because yeah, we're so busy that actually we yeah the intersecting just happens really like whoa your hair is like a lot like mine right now like but we had no idea because we'll go months without like really checking in sometimes like and you know other than like the important family staples sometimes it, mm-hmm. yeah we're yeah. missing out on each other I think I have to, we should change our intro, actually. Haircut podcast. Yeah. Should we just, I mean, just get people to come talk about their haircuts and then leave. Like, nothing else. Only got questions about hair today. That's all I prepared. So, you're older, Caroline. Yeah. And did you, uh, did you kind of pave the way for this creativity in your family? Like, I'm a dancer, my sister's a musician, and this is kind of like, did you have it a little bit harder, or were your parents always supportive, and just like, down for whatever you wanted to do? We are really lucky, our parents are so cool about not (laughs) judging our, like, life decisions, and being like, why are, what are you doing? Like, we never got any of that. So, no, I don't think I paved the way at all. I think, uh, actually, Natalie informed, really broadened my uh, artistic life in back at home, you know, with her music and stuff. Like, I remember uh, she would blast music from her room and she would play, like, Jeff Buckley's Grace album. And I would just be like, oh, my God, it's so screechy. And, but she'd play it, like, 50 times and of course like it grows on you and I love that album now but like there was a lot of that like um osmosis uh Mm. yeah osmosis through the walls of our rooms I like that because we are right next to each other yeah yeah Natalie totally shaped my tastes musically and otherwise yeah I mean I I can I can speak to Caroline doing the same for me as as an older sister and like in the dance world it's so Olivia, maybe you you could speak to this too. The dance world is so like, you know, every day just like working so hard mm-hmm. at like, you know, hours, hours and hours of, of practice and rehearsal. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, like taking it so seriously at a young age. Like you started when you were like, well, you started when you were eight years old, right? And then felt like oh, I, I started too old and I have to play this catch-up game. Yeah. Which is hilarious. An eight-year-old being like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> I got to play catch-up. <laughs> these kids who started when they were three, well, like, what were they doing yeah. when they were three? So what, how did you start dancing? What type of dance was your... It was like um, a really, like, your basic sort of package of ballet, jazz, and tap. Mm-hmm. You sign your kid up and it's like an hour a week of, and you in 20 minutes you do each, you know, thing, style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then at a certain age, do you get to pick, like, I want to do jazz or I want to do tap? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I kept with all three for a number of years, like, let's say five years, I was doing jazz, ballet, tap. And then when I was 12, I got a little more serious about the ballet. Um, And Because you started watching The Nutcracker, right? 
Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> this is so It's a sweet. pivotal moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're just like, remember this fact about yeah, yourself? I should have. Yeah, can I watch the, a VHS copy of George Balanchine's Nutcracker? It's like every day or whatever. So many times. I'm so enthralled yeah. with that. The oh, repetition yeah. with you guys, you just do things 50 yeah. times, yeah. watch it every day. I, just like. Actually, when I think about it, that DVD, it was George Balanchine on DVD, but I had another VHS of Nutcracker from a Russian ballet company, and I would compare the two, and it was actually very, like, indoctrinating about, like, like these prima ballerinas on these discs, and I would totally emulate them as a kid, and that's a good time to do that, like, because kids... Because actually, people who say like they can't dance, like that's just that's just an idea that you have. It's like a block that you have. Everyone can dance, but like, just so much dancing is acting. And I would just pretend to be like Kira Nichols, and yeah, that then I got good. Nice. Yeah, I think. And took it seriously. You're like, oh, this is I can put tap and jazz aside. Aside. And, yeah. And do this because then you went to the Vamp Center when you were wee. In the- yeah. When I was 15, they still had a younger person program that doesn't exist anymore but mm. yeah 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 I got I got some good opportunities when I was young mm. yeah the balancing DVD was totally important thanks for reminding me <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah totally so having two artistic children did your parents ever have to you know split up one parent go to this event one parent go to that event as you guys were getting older oh I don't recall anything was like it much that. overlap yeah. It worked out. It always worked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, it's like, I don't know. Of course, there's always artistic events, and our parents do our, their best to, to come and support, but, like, it's it's so different uh, in the adults, you know, for your parents to come and, like, to your show at midnight, you know, in a bar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't expect them to do that, but they, they tend to come to your yeah. dance shows, yeah. which are at, like, a civil hour. Yeah. <laughs> 7.30. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there a point where, like, your parents would come to your things and you said, like, no, mom and dad, I'm an adult, <laughs> don't come to my show tonight. It's fine, I don't need you to be there. Or is it still, like, you uh, guys were in there all the time? I felt the opposite. As a kid, I some people love dancing for their families, but as a child, I really hated my parents seeing me so vulnerable. But, like, I love dancing for strangers. But, yeah, that was just me. But, yeah, as an adult, now it's like, oh, my God, Mom, Dad, thank you so much for, like, driving to Winnipeg. They live in Brandon. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, I'm very grateful that they put in such a huge effort. One time I did a dance that lasted, like, 30 minutes, and they came to see that. And it was like, wow. Dedicated. Yeah. So did you guys grow up in Brandon? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you find, like, the artistic scene there? Like, what is it like in comparison to, a like, a bigger city like Winnipeg? Oh, man. It's dismal. Dismal. <laughs> yeah. What does dismal mean? I don't know. What does dismal mean? Ooh. Anyone? I feel like dismal is, like, a sort of, like, a, like a, a wasteland-y sort yeah. of situation. It's like, a barren, that. like... It's kind of yeah. dismal. It's, like, I feel like dismal <laughs> and minimal kind of seem, like... Yeah. But dismal oh, is, like, wow. sad minimal. Like, oh. It's... Yeah. Like, I have a dismal amount of coffee. And what is oh, abysmal? Maybe. Abysmal? abysmal. Uh, like, like the abyss. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, Winnipeg's could be abysmal 
opposed to dismal. Okay, <laughs> slightly like, better. Craig is like in his room right now. The he was on the podcast before. Editor in chief of the Manitoba is just going. You guys are idiots. <laughs> Not even close. Yeah. But Google we'll it. Google it later. Google yeah, had yeah. a little That's note. That's so funny. Um, we'll put a little disclaimer. Yeah. Sorry about our not yeah. good English thing. Please correct us if you can. <laughs> we just want to learn. <laughs> I feel like the music scene in Brennan is actually quite vibrant. Mm, like the wow. the university program mm. is like attracts international people. Yeah, it's weird. The uh, the Brennan music community sort of operates within a bubble of like this music school. It's a great music school, but like once you graduate, you have to leave because there's nothing for you. How many people go to school there? Uh, my graduating class was probably like, oh, well, that's a, that's not a good, I don't know. Maybe the music school is, is its own separate building. It's a beautiful facility and it's so nice. probably home to about 200 to 300 students mm-hmm. at a time. Oh. A lot of a big jazz programs. There's like, you know, I don't know. The faculty's really great. They pay people well to come teach the people it's like it's such an amazing slice of like there's a lot of Brandon people there's a few Winnipeg people and there's all these like rural people who are like I love playing the flute and I think I want to play the flute you know it's like mm-hmm. not very urban at all but then, but then the they attract these are like from LA and yeah. Boston and just I don't know I don't know what keeps them there other than I imagine it pays well mm-hmm. and it's like a comfortable place to live yeah Brandon's is very cute and clean and safe like you can leave your bike locked up outside you can buy a house you can buy a house you can raise a child without yeah like i don't know yeah but it's it's really like isolated and there's really i can't even think of a music venue i would want to play there right now right Hmm. and like some of the festivals yeah, well, I mean, yeah, someone should start one, but, like, I don't think there's actually the audience. Oh, okay, yes, I, I see. I, there's something... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It would be a big order to to go to, to build that back community. to Brandon and do that, like... You'd have to build it yourself. Yeah. Which would take years. Yeah. Right. So is there a, a disconnect people. between the community and the school there, that the, the community isn't going to go see the, the students' shows? I mean, some will. The students' shows... Yeah, like the recitals, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there. I would say there is a disconnect, for sure. That's yeah. interesting. There's definitely, like, you know, a small group of people that are, like, doing, always going to arts events and getting out there, like, no matter what. Like, when you're, when you live in Brandon, it's like, if you're sick and you have the flu, but there's a show happening, you go, you know? Because, like, you don't get another chance. Mm. Like, in Winnipeg, there's ongoing events all the time that you can't always make it to all of them but in Brandon it's not like that you know if there's like an art film being viewed it's like it's our one chance a year to (laughs) see something Mm -hmm. so yeah but that community is so small like there's a WHL team in Brandon and they're like they're the Brandon celebrities these like high school aged hockey players that uh, have their images on billboards and on the in the newspaper all the time and yeah they're like people are all about that that's really like the bread and butter of brandon's kind of like culture Mm -hmm. life interesting so if you're not into that like what do you do you move to winnipeg (laughs) yeah Yeah. you You do move to winnipeg yeah Yeah. so when did you guys make that decision hmm 
I was like, get me out of here. I turned 18 <laughs> and I went to Calgary for a summer, like immediately out of high school. And then I lived in Toronto for two years uh, to go to university there at Ryerson, their dance program. And then I went to Saskatoon for a year to work with a small ballet company. And then I wanted to like get really into contemporary dance and retrain in a contemporary setting. So I came to Winnipeg to go to the School of Contemporary Dancers, which is like a very good program, conservatory program. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, here I am. Here you are. Toronto, Saskatoon, Winnipeg. Yeah, and I, uh, immediately after university and during university, I was touring with bands like in the summer and I like, took some time off for my degree to, to tour. And then I, uh, pretty soon after that, moved to Winnipeg, you know, so I traveled a bit, you know, as a young person, just like seeing... You toured a lot. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, and then I set my home base in Winnipeg mm-hmm. for some reason. Moved to the Telfer house, yeah. which yeah. Olivia is familiar with. Yeah. yeah, I could listen to Slow Spirit Yeah, practices totally. above the roof, and then practices in the basement too there's yeah. like a whole lot of music happening in that house totally. at all hours totally and I, I realize now as I go through my life just how much being a part of the music community has affected like where I would live my choice of real estate my like mm-hmm. you know these little pockets that you can fit in you know if ever I need a sublet in another city there's like a whole community on Facebook of like of like musicians who are subletting their places because they're going on tour there's like yeah it's just a great um, way to move through the world, you know? Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I feel like we just ended up in Winnipeg, you know, like it could have been anywhere, but yeah. What keeps me here is, is like my, the community and my friends and my family is nearby. Yeah. There's like really almost nothing. I have no problems imagining myself moving to Montreal, like right away. I could do that. Yeah. But what keeps me here is like the people that yeah. I know and my family. Yeah. Yeah. Winnipeg is so so good (laughs) yeah so I have a question Uh, I feel as though maybe I'm wrong but contemporary dance and jazz music are a little bit on the less accessible scales of those certain arts so lots of people say I don't really understand jazz don't really understand contemporary dancing yeah so have you ever like encountered that at each other's shows where you've gone to Natalie's show and be like, I kind of don't get this. Or have you gone to Carol Ann's shows and be like, this is a little bit, you know, like not accessible for me. I, yeah. You Sorry, that's to... a big question. Oh, but it's yeah. just like, oh, and it also feels like kind of like, uh, I f- I'm not sure I want to like talk about it, but. You talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just went to a show, which is, it was such an interesting slice because it was on the like slice of uh, my life because. It was the same night as the Jets' first winning uh, during the whiteout, I guess, like a last <laughs> week or something. Right. Last Saturday, they just won, and I just finished watching a show, like a 55 solid block of like choreography that Caroline was performing in, and it was like, I felt like I couldn't understand what the concept was, like. The, the piece was an hour long and it was full of these gestures that I was like trying to like make sense of but you know couldn't really mm-hmm. you know or felt like and that's something I've learned about the human brain is that if you can't figure out what the pattern is 
you don't get a chemical release of like serotonin like that is what pleases the brain is like recognizing patterns and when that doesn't happen you feel like whoa like icky right which is so annoying as an artist because you're like i don't always want to yeah feed you the pattern yeah so that was the experience i was having so i was feeling like kind of like weird about it uh and then the jets at, like i came out of that show at 9 30 p.m and walked out onto like uh osborne and portage or like po- yeah osborne and portage and there was like jets fans just like screaming their heads off and like falling down drunk in the streets and like having the best time of their <laughs> lives just like so happy and so and you're just going into this like euphoric zone with yeah. just like this confusion like a very quiet dark theater i mean there was like a hundred people there or whatever but we were all just like sitting in this like pensive silence and then we left the theater and then there was just like a chaotic explosion on the streets yeah have you so. ever had that experience of one at one of natalie's shows um or a similar experience? No, not not to that extent because I think like I am often really impressed with uh like the craftsmanship of slow spirit. Like I'm like, wow, this music and it's uh coming from a place of like maybe a little bit of a bias, also like um, you know, when you see something that you don't fully understand and you're like but you can tell this, you can sense the skill. Mm-hmm. So you're just like impressed with that. I've often felt more like that where I'm like, I, I feel, I feel like I do connect to, to her music a lot and it's challenging music sometimes, but it's also pretty accessible. It's music, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like you like it or you don't like it. It's really can be, it can be that simple. For me, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the difference of two different traditions. Yeah, you know, and maybe because I'm a contemporary dancer and like that, it, it is a lot of work to get into it, and a lot of the getting into it means letting go of your attachment to like solving it or what does it mean? You know, it has to. You have to have a certain balance of like letting it wash over you, as well as like getting excited about whatever it is that you know like it's it's not for everyone but and I like I do have like a like a number of years like I've been a professional contemporary dancer for five years so like I've been putting in that time to like get to that place so maybe I'm just more (laughs) skilled Yeah, that's just that didn't sound very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's skill. It's more know. experience, I guess, having to yeah. feel and recognize skill. Because I feel as though if you go to a contemporary dancing show, which I have in the past, yeah, I've kind of gotten past understanding. Like, you know what? I don't need to get it. I'm just gonna like yeah. feel what I feel when it hits me. That's mm-hmm. the so secret. Sometimes the when secret. you can see an interaction between two dancers, yeah. you're just like, whoa, that felt kind of like yeah. I was gonna say hot, but like it kind of felt like whoa, they had yeah. a connection there for a yeah. second. That's like yeah. really cool. So yeah. rather than understanding their story, I just try to understand yeah. what their connection is and like the skill that's going into yeah. having that connection on stage and being vulnerable like that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Which I think also with jazz music is something that like, I don't get it and like all the music is kind of going all over the place, but then every once in a while I'll catch something on the drums or something on the bass and I'll be like, ooh, that felt nice. Like, right. I don't understand it, but I get that that's cool and I get that you have to be skilled to do that, yeah. Yeah. you know? So that's why I kind of 
ask that question. Totally. Yeah, yeah. it really is about like the contemporary art mindset. Like like even your pieces on the wall where it's like, why is <laughs> why is there three white things and two yellow pieces? And you know like why do you, it's like if you ha- want to know why you're gonna be disappointed. You know if you want to like break it down. I mean maybe there is reason, but like chances are you're gonna be disappointed if you're like, what are the answers? Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's not like one thing to get. It's like whatever you get is perfect. Your interp- your interpretation mm-hmm. is it. You know, it's kind of like beautiful meta contemporary art. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I have a question um, because we're talking about these connections with your the people that you're performing with. Have you ever had to perform when somebody is like making you mad and it's just like. I don't want to do this with you right now, but it's show day. Like, I and how you've had to like act out that interaction. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I yeah, like when you're on tour, obviously mm-hmm. it's like it's like life. Depending on the people, of course, of course. <laughs> I feel like this is such a funny question. Um, yeah. Because it's so... Well, because every time you see a performance, you're just like, wow, look at these connections, and they really? love each other, and this is the best, and when you sit down, like, you guys could have gotten a fight before you right. got here, That's and true. I'm, you guys have to fake it. That's you know strange. what I mean? And I should I'm say, so sorry. Not, not a funny question. <laughs> <laughs> not a funny question. What was it about? Like a, it's like Dish. a vulnerable, it's a vulnerable question, because yeah. it's like... You know, but you don't have to ask answer if you don't want to. But we're trying they to might be listening I, to the podcast. No, I can speak to it, like... And everybody appreciates it. Like, you know, if you, like, are in day 39 of a 42-day tour and you're, like, everybody is, is having issues and, like, need to go home and need to reset and that's, uh, you know, tempers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's so... But, like, it's different in the music world. It's definitely mu- different in the music world because there's a lot more room for relaxation and room for error when you're playing your music I think then compared to the dance world where it would be like in music you can have a couple drinks before you play in some circumstances but in the dance world that would be insane you might know? be weird yeah because like maybe it's, it's so happened depending on the piece <laughs> I've never done that <laughs> be crazy. Uh, it depends who I'm working for sometimes it's it can be a ritual have a shot Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I maybe cap it at that, personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every artist is different. Yeah. Yeah. So have you had to perform with someone that you didn't get along with and had to be like pretend that connection or? Well, yeah, I'm sure that I've been frustrated with co-dancers. I know I have, but like, um, yeah, because it depends so much what you're doing with your bodies and if you're carrying each other's weights you know you have to it's actually a really beautiful chance to like let go of whatever and like just focus on the task at hand that involves trust between you and another person and you have you have to put all of your shit aside to like accomplish the task like I'm thinking about like literally catching people on stage right they're throwing their bodies at you or vice versa you have to trust them and they have to trust you and you don't have time to like to not connect with them so it's actually you can't fake it yeah you can't fake a connection you have to have the connection and 
you discover that you're capable of it and discover you're capable of letting go of whatever thing you are holding on to. So it's, yeah, awesome opportunity to just not overreact so much about whatever baloney is bothering you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So as someone who's a little less familiar with contemporary dance, how many people during a performance are a part of that spectacle? Um, contemporary dance is something that is not hugely funded. Um, so like the show I was just in, I would consider a huge production and we had eight dancers. Um, I'm often on stage with one or two or three other dancers. Like that's kind of more affordable, you know, like a ballet company might have 30 or 60, but you know, when Royal Winnipeg Ballet has somewhere between 30 and 40 dancers, I think. You know, but they're like the second biggest ballet company in the country um, in terms of prestige and funding and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, contemporary dance is a different ballgame for sure. Really? Yeah. It, so is it across the board, across the country, kind of just an underfunded uh, thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the contemporary dance companies in the country. But there's so much in flux right now. Yeah, even like Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers is going through this big artistic directorship change over. So they're having guest artists come in and create work in lieu of having an artistic director oversee the whole season. And some company dancers didn't get jobs, even though they've been in the company for years. So it's weird. Things are weird. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Water break. <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor us, this would be a great time when we have yeah. a break like this. Yeah. You say, oh, but this is brought to you by... Coffee. Coffee. Uh, insert your coffee here. Yeah. Of course. Or your beer. We're or also, beer. We're, we're chill like music, the music scene. You can have a couple shots before your podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be fine. It's going to improve. to 12. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> we're past that Happy time. Hour. So... Oh, yeah. You're touring a lot, Natalie. Yeah, I have been in the recent past. Um, so you're with how many projects would you say uh, you're right part now? Of? Yeah. Uh, it's so hard to say because people are like, so, I don't know. Like you are like, yes, I'm involved in your project, but then the project like takes a long break to like figure out who the label is gonna be. You know that kind of. Uh, so and sometimes you're not always as busy as like you th- you seem to be involved in if that makes any sense. No, it does. Um, it definitely does. <laughs> right now, I'm kind of putting all the projects that I'm in sort of on hold, and I've had to like, of course, work with like communicate a lot about this because I s- since I've been touring so much since I graduated, which was like from college um, five years ago, I think. Just been trying to tour as much as I can. And this summer, I feel like it's time to just like stay in one place for a summer and just like enjoy a season and not spend all of the time like in the van for like five hours a day, eight hours a day, just like, Mm -hmm. which can be so exhausting. It's really hard on your body, actually, to Mm -hmm. like uh, never be in the same place Mm -hmm. the world is just like, and I think it's hard on your brain, too, to just like always see the world like streaming by your head. Mm hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm moving to the woods this summer for Whoa. like 
nice. four months, four and a half months to just like work and like ride my bike and like write music and stay grounded. So work, sorry, work isn't writing music. You're doing like a job. Yeah, I'll be I'll be working full time at a, at a cafe, bookstore, record store oh, at the lake. Cool. That's I know. Really cool. I know. <laughs> and, uh, it, wow. I just found out that my boss was the founding director, founding artistic director of the Brandon Folk Festival, oh. which was like a very key part of like why I do music mm-hmm. which I think is so it's such like a weird full circle mm. moment because he's retired now obviously uh, he started it in 1986 I started going the year I was born well I was born in November so I guess in 92 I started attending that festival so mm. it's so weird for us to now like I the reason I started touring so much was because I was like a young performer at that festival and the people saw me playing they're like oh come tour with us mm-hmm. and uh yeah that was like a total success story for me great yeah awesome. and now i'm like oh i need a break i'm gonna go work at his cafe at the lake which is yeah i think it's so great mm-hmm. That's so do you work is touring your job like yeah it has been for the past before this yeah you know it's weird i mean it's so sporadic and like you have to really be on it with your books like these dates are booked can't do it oh this is booked you know and it you know it's uh it's not it's obviously who's in it for the money right like no one does music for the money but you do have to be able to feed yourself and support yourself so right there's like some intense like figuring out how can i if this tour isn't gonna pay me enough to feed myself or to pay my rent then how do i survive or do i have to leave this behind sadly because I still need to eat, I still need to pay my rent, Mm -hmm. you know? That's like, that's the rub of any artist, you know? Like, how can I make my art? Or any any life. Any life, yeah, Yeah, that's true. So this might be a question that you don't want to answer, but have you ever taken a tour that you kind of didn't want to do, but like financially kind of needed to? Oh, um... (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to name tours. Yeah, you don't have to name anyone, (laughs) but... Anonymous tours. Um... I can answer that question. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every tour brings something else to your life, you know, like, mm-hmm. you might be working for someone whose music you are only sort of in love with, but at least you got to go to Iceland, you right. know, hmm. or, and at least that paid, you know, there's like a triangle of like, of like, what needs this fulfills for me, you mm-hmm. know. And you've know done you- that, Caroline, as well? Um, done something I don't turn down dance jobs ever Ever. yeah wow and I I love them (laughs) like yeah have I done pieces that I'm not crazy about sure but like I don't care like (laughs) that's I think any job like if you're a famous actress yeah you can be choosy about the contracts you have but like if you're trying to become an actress, you're probably not going to be choosy about the contracts that come your way. And I'm not choosy at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty happy to get any dance job. Natalie has had the, what I feel like is the luxury of not having to work a normal job. Mm-hmm. A normal job being like something that... A pay, cafe job. Yeah, to pay your bills. And these tours that to Iceland or whatever. Like <laughs> Natalie's had quite an international touring life, you know, so... I I uh, <laughs> I'm, I just did a little fancy dance. Yeah, <laughs> just for the radio. good. I missed it too. Just like yeah. waving one hand yeah. in the air. 
I'm a really, little bit Beyonce yeah esque. <laughs> I've had a different, a very different life. I've been, I've, I'm very satisfied with how I've curated my schedule. I have two part time jobs, and then I fit the dancing in as well, so that when I need to leave my jobs to be in the theater for two weeks or something, then neither of my jobs take a huge hit because I'm not full time at either of them. But it's just, it's obviously a lot of work managing three schedules, three to four schedules, depending on what's happening. And then you're like getting paid and your taxes are not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a complicated life. And my aunts and uncles are like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like you'll, they're like, oh, there's time for you to like buy a house or car, or have kids. Like there's still, there's that from some of our extended family, but mm-hmm. it's like, you don't understand how excited <laughs> I am that I like made this puzzle work, you know, that I can like right. clear my space to just dance for a few weeks a year. Yeah. Know, Which like, I was going to double check. I was thinking about this today when I was like, I'll double check that they know it's today. And I was like, I'm not like the podcast. And I'm like, I'm, they, they have to know everything. Like if you're mm. touring or if you're doing like your schedules are probably like written out. Like, do you guys like oh have, my God, yeah. do you Google calendar or do you of like course. write it down in the, <laughs> yes, I'm just both. all of it. <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything you can. Too. Yeah, and, and as sisters, do you share that those calendars so that like, hey, I have an event coming up here in case oh, you, you're man. free. No, no, and that's why we never see each other except yeah. for at this podcast taping. That's where social media becomes handy because then it's like, you know, yeah. Also, being an artist like of our of our scale, you're doing a lot of self promotion on Instagram and Facebook. It's a huge part of the life. Like you can't not self promote on Instagram and Facebook. I sell tickets to my dance shows at my coffee shop, you know, like side hustle. (laughs) And so then that's all really how I hear about Natalie's events, which is so shameful. (laughs) We aren't aren't calling each other once a week to catch up, but uh, we, you know. Well, let's. We have this modern life (laughs) that we can remain connected through. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think we're, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. I've got one more question. Do you have one more question? I do have so, one more question. Okay. Oh, you can go first. I just want to know, like, Natalie, you have Slow Spirit, and Lana Kai. Yeah. What are you, like, what, how can people recognize you? Like, what are my dance outfits? Like, your dance outfits, or, like, some projects that you've done that you've been like, oh, you've seen me probably maybe at the Forks, or oh, here yeah. or there. Like, are there any of the projects that people that aren't in the contemporary dance community or familiar with it may have seen you before. Yeah, I hope so. There's a, <laughs> there's a company that I work with quite a lot called Gear Shifting Performance Works by it's a Jolene Bailey's company and Jolene Bailey is this like dance genius of Winnipeg. She's been working for like 20, 30 years. Um, she yeah, and she does project-based work, which means short contracts. There are no company dancers, but she does honor the relationships that she starts with people. So if you haven't contracted by her before, she will have an ongoing kind of connection with you if it's feeling good and your life is working the way it needs to, to do that. So gear shifting is like a big part of my dance life. And then uh, this year has been really busy with music videos. I I danced in... um, 
Joanne Pollock's Carnival video and Heavy Bell did a music video that I got to solo in. Which is a band I play in. There you go. Uh-huh. That's a great sister. Yeah. It's crossover. Exactly. <laughs> it's cool that we got hired by the same people. Yeah. Um, and Begonia. Had Begonia, I was in her video last year, and Royal Canoe, I was in their somersault video. So that's, I like music videos because they're like permanent, you know, they are like a dance performance dies as soon as it happens. So the video is like the, my dance legacy that people <laughs> could check out if they wanted to. Did you choreograph those or just perform in them? I just performed in them. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Even the solo piece. Yeah. That one uh, was choreographed by Joanna Riley. Um, she's another very amazing contemporary dancer in the city. I have a question. Yeah. Sorry, I'm nope. going off now, but when a, a single person uh, choreographs for another single person, how does that relationship work? I feel like it would be like, no, I want it like this. And it's like, but my body doesn't do that. So why don't you just do it instead? Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? It can be like that. I mean, Joanna was really pregnant. Um, no. <laughs> uh, not that that's not that that's a reason. It why. would change maybe the meaning of the video, perhaps. Yeah, she did shoot. A, she wasn't one of their music videos, but you can see her pregnant belly. But no, I, I mean, a single choreographer and a single dancer—that's an arrangement that can happen. Um, and you know, choreographers are skilled to. They know that they're working on someone else's body. You know, they they know like. You want to push the dancer, but you they every person has their own personal limits physically, mentally, emotionally. So you have you know you hire the people that you get along with, and hopefully the choreographer's not an asshole. You know, <laughs> you so, can have a director work with an actor or a singer or something, and it could be a similar dynamic. Mm-hmm. So does a um, does someone that choreogra- choreographs a dance for you, do they describe your dance or movement in terms of your physical body or the emotion that you're trying to portray? Or both? It can be anything, yeah. It, there's no right or wrong or limits. Like, you can, you can do anything you want to get, to, to suck out the dance out of the dancer. You can, like... You can display the movements. You can say the names of, I need your arm to go like this. You like you can say like, I'm looking for something that's raw and uh, twisted. Actually, it was the Heavy Bell, the director of the music video that fed a lot of Joanna's choices. So we started with her being like, we need you to like convey this like intense burden of emotional pain you know and like she gave us a lot of language and then Joanna would create the vocabulary and then I would do it and then we would play with it and I would try to bring things to the process as well like my own feelings or my own yeah physical expression it was very like free-flowing and like collaborative and so it's always kind of changing a little bit. Like there's that idea, but then you'll once you're there, it's kind of morphing into something, it, not entirely different, but like yeah, it can morph. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that again goes with the contemporary mindset of creating art, which is that it's more interesting when you have somebody like bring themselves to the process than to just treat them like a blank canvas or a piece of play-doh and like oh do exactly as I say like. Because I'm not just Plato, like I'm a human, so I can bring a lot of like personal experience to that. 
you know, my own heartbreaks. <laughs> yeah. So what's the weirdest direction you've gotten before? Like mm. someone said, like, what I want you to do is this and then like left it. And you're like, whoa, like, whoa. what do I do with that? That's a good question. Do you remember one in particular that stands out? I can think of one that stands out, but I know that there's been plenty of times where the direction has been very kind of off the wall and those are the most fun because it just means like okay you're you're going off the wall so it just means I can really do anything and yeah the more the, the weirder the better like the because le- if you the more specific you get the narrower it gets right it's sort of like beginner's mind like if you uh, are an expert on something you have like one choice or one answer to a question but if you're a beginner well the answers are endless so yeah like I think yeah now I'm turning this into like a uh, shout out like be weird (laughs) well it's also as you're saying like a beginner is like more open than also if you're a beginner to dance or jazz or something that's a good piece of advice to go into it it's just like be open and there's infinite answers and it's whatever you want it to be yeah it's advice for everyone like to all to the experts like if you're an expert well like try to have a beginner's mind there's a Hmm. book it's called like zen mind beginner's mind yeah, and it can be very freeing if you have become an expert. Like, quote, quote there's air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quote in unquote. your fields, you know, that's how, how very limiting that can be mentally. Yeah. It's a good way to end off the cast. The message to just be weird. Yeah. Be weird. Be weird. Be a beginner. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming by. Um, did you not have another question? I did, I did. Okay. Go for okay, it, go, I'll, for I'll, it. I'll go for it. I'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know while you're both here, what would you say is the biggest creative impact each of you has pulled from each other? Oh well. And I want to start with you first, this is Natalie. A okay. Um uh, gosh. I mean my, my instinct without really thinking about that question too hard, because obviously there's so much so much. We've had a lot there. of impact. Um I I have this this like joke that I tell people when they're like oh my god you're a musician like how do you live that isn't that so crazy aren't you so like starving and poor and stuff and I'm like well it's I aren't your parents what are your parents think about this and I was like I'm always been like well my sister's a dancer so my <laughs> life is quite easy in comparison to trying to make it as a dancer you know so it's like that's kind of a joke. I but. make her life look real cushy. <laughs> exactly. It's so much easier. There's so many more gigs. Yeah, so like her influence on you is just knowing that her life is harder than yeah. yours and to yeah, do what she, she loves. She makes it work. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Yeah. I feel like Natalie's biggest impact on me is does stem back to our bedrooms side by side and her blasting Jeff Buckley and Rent. <laughs> and then Spring Awakening. Yeah. These are true. Rent and Spring Awakening are musicals and yeah, it's just stuff I would have never, ever discovered on my own, I don't think. Not to the extent that Natalie played them on repeat to, in her room. Because, like, that happened so long ago. Like, I remember being, like, 17 and her playing that stuff. So, you know how it, like, grows out from there. Mm-hmm. Those, like, little pieces. Seeds. The seed. Yeah. yeah, the seed. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, she watered your... Musical seed. Totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. That's dirty. <laughs> yes. yeah. Wow. You guys are so sweet. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us on your podcast. Yeah. It's so oh, thank so you guys nice. for, for coming, making the time awesome. for us. We really appreciate it. Oh, totally. Thank, thank you for cutting deep with Paper, paper Cut Podcast. podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. Just a reminder, you can find all of our cuts online at papercutwinnipeg.com. And iTunes and Google Play. We wouldn't mind a sponsor. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Brett Tison. I feel like that happens a lot. Like people are subconsciously influenced and then like they're just making a song and then they don't realize it until after they've listened to what they made. Like, oh, that actually kind of sounds like this other guy or something. But I think, yeah, I definitely think that there's stuff to be taken from everything.